0: I appreciate um, your allowing me to take last Wednesday. I got a little bit of eye surgery. And, and now I see clear as a bell. Just bang. Now, um, uh, reading, I may need still some correction. But th- before I did it, if I, if, if I looked at you without the glasses, you looked like a wonderful blur. Uh, particularly out of the left eye, but but it's just, when they got done, I read that bottom line, that little teeny print, just bang. And I had a hallelujah moment. Let me tell you. So anyway, all right, but I got to break something to you. Please don't walk out. Please don't be disappointed. But after tonight, um, I'm gone three weeks. I'm sorry, I haven't had a vacation in, in two years, in two, and if I don't go now, another year is going to go by. So, I'm opening up the series tonight, but Pastor Corey Smithy is going to do a series with you on Wednesday night. Sonny Kanatzer, my longtime lifelong friend, is going to preach Sunday mornings. You're going to be fine. You're just going to have to have a good memory from what I share tonight (laughs) because we'll pick it right up. But folks, if I don't go, like I didn't go in the summer because COVID really hit our church. You know, we lost half our church. I mean, we were in three services before COVID and then uh, after and during COVID and when we were, after we were shut down for two and a half, three months per the city's, orders. And I was just, who who knew how to navigate that mess? I didn't know how. So we did our best. But we lost a lot of people. We have essentially been rebuilding. And I didn't feel safe leaving uh, until the rebuild was really feeling like we were gaining traction again. And that's how it feels now. Amen? (laughs) Yeah. So... I got to You know, Jesus said, come apart to a desert place. And I like to say, come apart to a desert place before you come apart. <laughs> well, I'm not about to come apart, but I do need a break. So I know you're going to be good. And so will you let me go? Yes. Let me go. OK, I'm just telling you, because I love you. You know that I love you. Can I just tell you that I love you? We love you too. I love you. We love you too. And, and I'm here and I'm with you. I will pray for you. Will you pray for me? That I don't kill myself skiing. If, if I do ski, I don't ski, but I may do it. Who knows? But we're going to be sending you some videos to put up there and just say hello. So anyway, all right, the bad part's out of the way. Tonight, we're beginning a deep dive into how we got our Bible. Now, I told you ahead of time, well, let's pray. Father, we just thank you for the incredible word of God. The Bible. The Bible your book. And Lord, I pray that you will help us to be a people, to be a congregation, to be Christians that can answer the critics and answer the skeptics and answer the atheists and even have it resolved in our own souls, our own minds, how we got the Bible. And so, Lord, I just thank you for teaching us tonight. Can everybody just lift up a hand to heaven and say, Lord, tonight, Root me and ground me in the word of God, in Jesus' mighty name, amen. Turn to your neighbor and tell them, deep dive. We're going to deep dive into the word of God. Now, tonight, uh, I did the uh, To Every Man Answer from our new studio. It looks so good. Anybody watch? You, You need to. I need to get you people watching you watched in the studio pretty it's beautiful. Um, so we, we were all over the country. We were in every time zone. We answer Bible questions uh, live with no delays. You kind of gotta know or at least act like you know i 'm kidding if i don 't know, I tell them i don't know but um, so we were answering so one guy called in, and it was kind of uncanny to me. Because he said, how, how did the gospel writers, John in particular, how did he know what happened with the woman at the well when Jesus went to Samaria if the Bible says none of the disciples were there? How did he write the history of it? I told him, didn't I? I told him straight out of the word of God. So it goes to show you, what was bugging him? What was bugging him was, how how was the bible written how did how did they have that history when they weren't there how would they know well there's several possibles and i'll i'll answer that uh tonight actually it was kind of a lead in to tonight but i want to put a little graph up here and the, oh there you go that's yours truly now put a little graph up here and i have a pointer i love pointers can you see that red dot I just love it. I know this is hard for you to see. That's why I got the pointer. But we're going to deal with nine important truths about understanding your Bible, how we got it, where it came from, how it was passed on, how it was copied, how reliable is it? It's totally reliable. Uh, and how to study it. And we're going to deal with nine crucial truths. And I'm going to, Just show them to you real quick. Revelation. As a matter of fact, let me get here and this will help me because I would be better reading it to you. Here we go. Revelation and revelation is God communicating to man what he wants us to know. All right. That's revelation. The next one is inspiration. Inspiration right there is God superintending human writers to compose and record his revelation to mankind. The human writers, Paul, Peter, James, John, Jude, Moses, so on and so forth. Then we come transmission. That's the ancient process right there. The ancient process of uh, accurately copying Hebrew and Greek scriptures for successive generations. I'm going to go into all of this one by one in this series. Canonicity. Very important. God guiding the early church to recognize what books are inspired. Why was the Apocrypha, for instance, rejected? Why was the book of Enoch rejected? Why were were the letters, the epistles we have in our Bible, why were they accepted? What was the criteria? Okay, we're going to look at all that now. Then we come to a biggie, textual criticism. That's the modern process of comparing existing Hebrew and Greek manuscripts to determine what is original. What's originally written, all right? Then we come to translation. That's a biggie. What translation do you use? Translation is the process of translating the Bible from the original Hebrew and Greek into a modern language. We're going to look at that, and I'm going to give you the best translations, in my humble opinion. Then we come to interpretation. The process of a reader uh, uh, studying to understand what God's word means. In other words, how do you and me interpret scripture? How do you do it? How how do you accurately interpret the Bible? Is there anything to it? Is there a science to it? Is there methods to it? Yes. And I'm going to show you how to best do that. Then illumination. Illumination is the process of the Holy Spirit helping the reader understand and apply the Bible. In other words, you're reading along, you read a verse, and kapow, it hits you between the eyes, and it just opens up to you. And what just happened there? Illumination from the Holy Spirit. And you're going to get out of the Bible when an unsaved person can never get out of the Bible. Okay? Finally, application. How do I live it? How do I live it? How do I walk it out? All right? So, now this, this series, a little bit scholastic, I understand, it's like I'm, a, I'm teaching in a, a, a graduate course in understanding the Bible, but isn't that why we're here? Isn't that why we're here? We want to know the Bible? Now, tonight, I'm going to deal with the first two, revelation and inspiration, and I want you to really perk up, because what I'm going to share tonight is so foundational You've got to understand these things because I don't want anybody to be able to come to you and and give you some fast talk that makes you doubt your Bible and puts you out there disconnected from God because you're disconnected from the Word or so full of doubt that you really can't fellowship with Him like you used to because God and His Word are totally connected. Amen? So I want to open up with two foundational Bible verses regarding the Word of God that we're going to return to over and over again. It's 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. Now, this is our key verses for this whole series. I'm going to go back to it over and over again. I want you to read it with me, can you? All Scripture is up. There it is. Come on, everybody. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, Correcting and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. How many of you want to be equipped? All right. Now, verse 16 reveals where the word of God came from, its original origin. It did not come from this planet. And now, what it says? It says the Bible came straight from God. Now, just so you'll know, the Bible consists of 66 books, 39 Old Testament, 27 New Testament, from 40 or so different authors written over a period of 1,500 years. That's 1,500 years. A millennia and a half it took for the whole Bible to be written. Now, you would think 40 authors, 66 books over 1,500 years, that somewhere in there it's going to contradict Somewhere in there is not going to agree, because it's it's like if you didn't know this history of the Bible, it's like a group of men got together and decided what to say and how to say it, because it's it's all put together in this beautiful unity that is non-contradictory with one central message from Genesis to Revelation, God's plan of salvation through Messiah Jesus Christ. That's the summation of what the Bible is all about. Put another way, the Bible is about Jesus. The the Word of God, Genesis to Revelation, is all about Jesus. Now, I want you to notice that Paul said, All Scripture is God-breathed. All in the Greek means all. Right? All Scripture. Now, when Paul wrote those words, let's remember, most of the New Testament wasn't even yet written. Okay? So what was he pointing to? He was primarily pointing to the Old Testament. He had to be because the New Testament wasn't there. And like Paul, according to Jesus, the Old Testament is straight from God. There's a very popular pastor out there right now, I won't name him, but a humongous church in another state. And he went out to his people and he even wrote a book on it that you need to Reject, throw out, disregard the Old Testament. Totally disregard it. It's irrelevant. Any given Sunday, he's got 30,000 people in several churches, several uh, campuses that are, that are watching and, and taking part in the service, and he said, Get rid of the Old Testament. It's irrelevant. That just goes to show you that somebody with that much influence can be so wrong. So wrong. Because Jesus said, I didn't come to do away with the law. I came to fulfill the law, right? So Jesus believed that the Old Testament was totally inspired and from God. Now, if it's good enough for Jesus, it is good enough for me. Let me give you an example. Luke twenty-four forty-four. he, Jesus, said to the disciples, this is what I told you while I was still with you everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. Well, that covers a big chunk of the Old Testament right there. And he said, everything Moses wrote, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, and the minor prophets, all that they wrote, and the Psalms, David, King David, who was also a prophet, everything he wrote, like Psalms 22, they have pierced my hands and my feet, and so on and so forth. Jesus said, it's all going to be fulfilled. What was he saying? The Old Testament is the word of God. It's not a book with words from God or a few few words of God or some of the words of God. But we're going to see that every word right down to punctuation marks is from God. Jesus used the Old Testament, for instance, to correct false doctrine. Indicating that Old Testament scripture is an important source of doctrinal authority. All right? So the the Old Testament has the authority to tell you something is right or wrong, good or bad, of God or not of God, bad teaching or good. And we note that Jesus defeated Satan in the wilderness by quoting Old Testament scripture, because that's all there was. For the Old Testament scripture... Defeated Satan. You know why? Because it's the Word of God. Okay? In his high priestly prayer in John 17, Jesus prayed, Sanctify them, the disciples, and those that come to me by the truth. Your Word is truth. And there was no New Testament when he said this. So what's he talking about? Genesis to Malachi. It's truth. It's the word of God. Amen. Jesus confirmed, we note, the Genesis creation account. He was certainly not an evolutionist. Amen. Jesus was a creationist. Matter of fact, Jesus is the one that did it. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. Nothing that was created was created apart from him. Everything that was made flowed through the fingertips of Jesus. He confirmed marriage, the sanctity of marriage, the teaching of marriage in the book of Genesis. He said, from the beginning, this is the way that it was and the way that it is. So you go marrying same-sex people, you're transgressing the scriptures. I don't care how you phrase it or how you frame it. It can't be right. He said in Luke and Matthew, quote, from the blood of Abel to the blood of Zechariah, who was killed between the altar and the sanctuary. Yes, I tell you, this generation will be held responsible for it all. Now notice what he did here. From the blood of Abel, which was Genesis, to the blood of Zechariah, which was Second Chronicles. In these passages, he goes from the beginning to the end of the Old Testament and all the martyrs that had been martyred during that time and said you're going to answer to god for those martyrdoms and he in other words he was saying the historical record of those martyrs is accurate so not only is it inspired to teach us devotionally how to live but the history of the bible the the historical narrative is totally dependable and accurate. They say, well, wait a minute, 2 Chronicles, I thought Malachi was the last book. Well, let me just give you a little aside. In the Hebrew order, Hebrew Bible, Chronicles is the last book of the Old Testament. And Zechariah's murder uh, is recorded near the end of Second Chronicles, thus the very end of the Old Testament, Hebrew Old Testament. So from Genesis to the final book of the Old Testament. Jesus said all the history in it is accurate. In the Hebrew, oh, I'm sorry. Notice when he tells the Sadducees about scripture who were sad, you see, because they didn't believe in a resurrection. That's a cheap joke. I know I'm I'm sad, you see. If I didn't believe in the resurrection, I'd be sad, you see, too. But they didn't believe in a resurrection. Now watch this. Jesus said, but about the resurrection of the dead, have you not read what God said to you? I'm the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, God of Jacob. He's not the God of the dead, but of the living. But what I want to pull from this is, Jesus said to them, to the Sadducees, why haven't you read what God said to you? Where? There was no New Testament at this point. Have you not read what God, God said? Not Moses, not David, not Isaiah. God said. Where? In the
1: Old Testament. He said, you've slipped
0: into error because you have not read and assimilated and accepted what God said. So when you open up this Bible, everybody, 39 books, Old Testament, 27 New Testament, you're carrying a library around in your hand in one volume. You're carrying a sacred, holy, precious, pure gold library. In your hands. <sighs> I love the word of God. Where would we be without the word of God? Give me this day my daily bread. Not just bread to eat, but spiritual bread from your word. Every day. Uh, Jesus referred to the great flood. And a lot of evolutionists tell us that didn't happen. But that's crazy. It's so easy to see scientifically that it happened. But Jesus believed it. He referred to the great flood as historical fact. Jesus said, as it was. Not as as it was inferred or as it has been said by some. No, he said, as it was in the days of Noah. It's going to be the same way in the coming of the Son of Man. For in the days before the flood, they were eating, drinking, marrying, giving in marriage up to the day Noah entered the ark. And they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. That is how what happened historically is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. Nobody's going to expect it. And most people are going to be completely taken off guard when Christ comes and judgment falls. Everybody say, as it was. So Jesus believed in the historical narrative of the Bible. He regarded the Genesis flood as total truth. Sodom and Gomorrah as well. Oh, come on, fire fell from heaven and uh, turned it into ashes. Come on, Jeff. Jesus believed it. He said it was the same in the days of Lot. People were eating, drinking, buying and selling, planting and building. But the day Lot left Sodom, as soon as his foot stepped out of the boundaries of Sodom, fire and sulfur rained down from heaven and destroyed all of them. He didn't say it like Well, you know, some people say this. He said it happened. Jesus believed the Old Testament historic narratives
1: were true. You with me?
0: Now, we also got to remember what Jesus said regarding the yet-to-be-written New Testament. I want you to listen real carefully here. He promised. John 16, 13, when the Spirit of truth comes, that's the Holy Ghost... He will, say it with me, everybody, guide you. Now, he's initially talking to who? The 12 apostles. What will he do? Guide you into what? All truth. He will not speak on his own, but he will tell you what he has heard. From where? From the Father. He will tell you about the future. Now, you say, well, Jeff, why does that matter? Here's why it matters. Because Jesus is stating that his, his 12 apostles would receive revelation truth. He will guide you into all truth. Revelation truth. Now, what's revelation truth? Revelation is truth, formerly unknown and also unknowable, if God didn't reveal it. Watch this. That Bible you're holding in your hand is revelation truth. What's revelation truth? It's truth that was formerly unknown and unknowable to the natural mind if god had not chosen to reveal it you and i would never have discovered any of it if god had not decided to reveal it revelation truth the the book of revelation uh, apocalypsis the greek word it means unfolding of what has been heretofore hidden
1: So we know things
0: we'd have never known if God hadn't told us. Amen. Like we know the world is going to end. We know there's going to be a brand new world, a brand new Jerusalem, a millennial kingdom, eternity with Christ. We know that God so loved the world he sent his only begotten son. That whoever believes on him would not perish but have everlasting life. How do we know these things? We didn't discover it. You know, people go out, and I'm guilty of this. Last night I found Jesus. No, you didn't. He found you. Because if, if you had not been convicted by the Holy Ghost of your sin, and that you needed a Savior, it would never have occurred to you. Amen? So when I open up the Word of God, I'm opening up revelation, truth. God decided to tell me about it. That's why I want to eat it up and devour it, because, hey, it's a feast of things I would never have known if God hadn't shown me. The Apostle Paul spoke of this kind of revelation truth several times. For example, he writes about the mystery of the church. He says, for this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for you Gentiles, this is Ephesians 3, 1 through 6. If indeed you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which is given to me for you. Now look at the next words, how that by what everyone revelation, he made known to me, what the mystery as I have briefly written already by which when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in other ages, look at this was not made known to the sons of men as it has now been, what everyone, revealed. Not discovered by men, but revealed by the Spirit to his holy apostles and prophets, that the Gentiles, here's the mystery, that the Gentiles would be included in God's plan of salvation, not just the Jews. So notice Paul said, man, I'm the recipient of revelation knowledge. And that revelation knowledge Uh, 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 explain a mystery, open up to me understanding a mystery I would never have understood. Musterion, the Greek, It, it, it means you can't know it unless God reveals it to you. Paul said, God opened my eyes and I had revelation knowledge. Actually, what I'm sharing with you right now is revelation knowledge. Jesus also predicted the 12 disciples would be shown future events. He, the Holy Spirit, will show you things to come. Now, this was abundantly fulfilled. You read the writings of Paul, Peter, John, Jude. They all wrote down volumes of prophetic scripture, like we find in the book of Revelation. We just finished Revelation. What's that? It is 22 chapters of pure revelation revealed to John so that we would understand what's coming in the future. We'd have never known it if God hadn't revealed it. So Jesus is telling us something very important about the 12 and the things they would write. That they would prophesy. Listen, John 14, 26, the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name. He will teach you all things. He'll bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. So why does that matter? Because that's how we know that, what is written about Jesus in the red ink, well, the quotes of Jesus, what Jesus taught in the red ink, and what Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John revealed to us about Jesus, this is how we know it's accurate. Because Jesus, right here in John 14 26, please catch this, he is, he is giving us how we can know that we have the accurate teachings of Jesus, because he said, the apostles are going to be given Holy Ghost recall. They're going to, the Holy Ghost is going to bring, what did he say? Bring to your remembrance all things I said to you. So take Matthew 5, 6, and 7, Sermon on the Mount. There's three chapters, chock full, red ink, all that Jesus said. How did Matthew remember all that? Holy Spirit. Mark, same way. Luke, the same way. John, the same way. John quotes Jesus all the time. They all do. How they remember. How they know for sure. They didn't in and of themselves. He, the Holy Ghost, will bring to your remembrance all things I said to you. So when they wrote it down, they were remembering by the power of the Holy Spirit. Have you ever remembered something and you know the Holy Ghost helped you do it? Man, what was, I just trying to remember that person's name. Lord, what was their name? Bing! Well, bad example. They literally were given Holy Ghost perfect recall. And that's how we know we've got the words of Jesus. That's how we get the New Testament. He guarantees that all the teachings he brought to the 12 would be supernaturally brought back to their memory by the Holy Spirit. That's how we got the Gospels. The Gospels tell us about the conception, birth, life, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And they are also historical accounts of what truly happened. They also give us a treasure trove of what Jesus taught about every conceivable subject in life and living. They have supernatural recall. But they're more than historical accounts like other history books. The authors, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, were guided by the Holy Spirit. Listen to what Peter writes. 2 Peter 1, verse 20. No prophecy recorded in Scripture was ever thought up by the prophet himself. Okay? He didn't, no prophet sat and goes, what can I say next? that will give everybody Holy Ghost bumps. Social media is full of that. You do know that. Please tell me you know that. You know how many self-proclaimed prophets and Teachers or prophets mainly are all over social media and you listen to some of the things they prophesy and you say no way that's god no way what are they doing they're just thinking it up because you know they make money off of every view they get did you know that it drives me crazy i can't even i'm trying to discipline myself to not even look anymore it's, some, it's so z- zany, some of it. If you knew the Bible, you'd never believe it. But anyway, back to the topic, Jeff. Come on. Okay? But he goes on to say it was the Holy Spirit within these godly men who gave them true messages from God. Remember, Paul said all scripture is God breathed. That includes here's the Bible is made up of this law, history, wisdom, poetry. The gospel, gospels, epistles, prophecy, and apocalyptic literature like Revelation. And God, the Holy Ghost, moved on holy men of old for all of it. Everybody with me? Are you all hanging with me? Are you still with me? We got to get this now. So first off, Jesus promised that the Holy Spirit would give to the 12 apostles divine revelation and future Prophecy and that the Spirit would also bring to their memory the things Jesus had taught them. He did, and they wrote them down in what we now know as the New Testament. Now we also note in our key verse, Second Timothy 3:16, that Paul used the words "God breathed" in describing the origin or source of God's Word. Now, your version may say inspiration. Uh, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. Other translations say God breathe, but it's the Greek word theonoustos. Theo is from theos, which means God. Theology, the study of God, study of God, theology. Theos is the Greek word for God. The suffix, noustos, is from the Greek word neo, which means to breathe out, to blow like the wind. Peter says, holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. How do we get the Bible? Holy men of old spoke and wrote as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. Greek word for moved means born along, moved, influenced by the Holy Ghost. I was saying on the radio tonight, it's not like automatic writing where you go into a trance and you're staring straight ahead and not even needing to look at what you're writing because some force has your hand and you're writing and it's weird. No, here's the deal they were carried along by an influence from above, like a sailboat. A sailboat, the breeze hits that sail and the boat is borne along. When the breeze stops, the boat is no longer moved. When the breeze blows, the boat is moved. That's the way they received the revelation of Scripture. The Spirit of God breathed, and they were moved, and they wrote, inspired. He quit breathing, quit moving them, and they were no longer moved and didn't write anymore. That's how we got it. It was gentle, but firm. The message is that the sacred Scriptures are of divine origin. Each part of speech, including every inflected word form, right down to punctuation, is God-breathed and written under divine inspiration. Are you with me? We're coming to the close, but I want to know you're hanging with me. you with me? You say, you really believe that? Absolutely, I believe that. Of course I believe that. Amen? Um, Jesus said, I'll give you an example Assuredly, I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, one jot or one tittle will by no means pass from the law till how much is fulfilled? All of it. Now, Jesus' jot and tittle are punctuation marks. A jot was an iota. Iota is the ninth letter in the Greek alphabet. You really say it, iota. Iota. And and it represents a very small quantity. Uh, We say, there wasn't one iota of truth to that. Right. So we borrowed the ninth letter of the Greek alphabet to use it in English that way. Uh, there wasn't one iota of proof. All right. Not even a little bit. A tittle was a tiny accent mark, a little small dot, a stroke or a mark. Uh, and we get the word scintilla from it. We get scintilla. We might say there wasn't one scintilla of proof. There wasn't one scintilla of evidence that they committed the murder. All right? Here's what Jesus is saying. The tiniest punctuation mark God breathed. So he's making a huge statement here about the inerrancy. Now, when I say inerrancy, I mean error-free nature of Scripture and it's divine origin the god that created the universe doesn't make grammatical mistakes everybody that's why if you're listening to somebody prophesy and they say he he don't got no you can know that's not god (laughs) that came to me on the spot (laughs) because god does not make grammatical mistakes he's accurate down to jots and tittles So the original manuscripts were perfect. Now, we're going to be talking about those manuscripts in the next, uh, well, after three weeks, I'll be back. But we're going to be talking about them. And I'm going to show you how translations happen and what were the original manuscripts and uh, all kinds of stuff that, that I think is really going to help ground you in your confidence in the scriptures. Okay. So God breathed out his word amen. amen so let's stand well wait a minute do we have any questions i bet we might if we have any questions we're doing real good on time anybody have a question about what we've covered tonight because I like answering a couple of them if I can now raise your hand high if you've got a question oh wait he's coming with the mic there we go question but it's not on what we were studying just now it's as on long matthew. as this is about the bible i'm, I'm not you know, going to yeah. talk about football no, no. no i'm kidding no <laughs> okay was it matthew 16:24? pick up your cross and follow me yes the cross always confused me what am i supposed to be picking up okay that's a great question and that's so misunderstood because somebody will be sick to have some affliction, some disease, and they'll go, this is just the cross God's given me to bear. Okay, now, I want to be careful here. God will sustain you through a sickness and through a physical affliction, and he'll strengthen you, he'll help you, and never, 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 never would this pastor condemn you for being sick. We're not having enough faith. In my humble opinion, that's just baloney. Because look, you got enough faith to get saved, and that's the greatest miracle of all. Right? Now, does God heal? Absolutely. But can we be honest? Does he every time? No. So how do you handle that? Well, that's not the cross he's talking about in Matthew 16. The cross he's talking about is God's will over your will. That's it. So, because, for instance, in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus was struggling, sweating, as it were, great drops of blood. Literally, his corpuscles were bursting from the stress of what he knew as God he was about to go through. And what did he say? If there's any way... Any other way I can accomplish their salvation, please, Lord, nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. Now that's, there's no better picture of the cross than that. So how many times in any given day are you and I as Christians faced with my will over his will? Oh, all the time. And how many times do we have to say, well, pick it up, pick up that cross? Because Jesus said, if you don't pick it up, you can't follow him. Why? Because your will is going to be in constant competition with him. And you're going to be doing your will and not his. So you can't follow him. You won't do it. So as if you want to be fruit bearing as a Christian, then you and I, we need to pick up that cross every single time somebody offends you hurts you angers you and everything in you wants to get vengeance but then here comes the word sneaking up on you forgive even as god through christ has forgiven you but i don't want to forgive but forgive because that's his will so you pick up the cross i forgive them because not my will but thine be done and that's the essence of the cross It's his will over yours a hundred times a day in big and small things. Okay? That help? All right. Is there anyone else? Um, I have a question about the red print. Yeah. Which translation was? Well, you you see red letter Bibles. There's many translations. You'll find the red letter. King James, New King James. Uh, i don 't know all the ones that have have done it because they haven 't all done it for sure, but um, I remember when I was first saved, I loved that red letter because I wanted the words that Jesus had spoken paraphrases good news for modern man as a paraphrase and i 'm going to tell you the difference between translations and paraphrases in this series as well, but good news for modern man was red letter, and I loved it because I, I saw the words of christ, but that 's just the the editor 's decision. Um, and the scholars that are involved in the translation is their decision whether to make the words of Christ in red or not. Okay? All right.
1: Okay. Um, thank you for the word today. It was really inspiring. I appreciate the. Oh, okay. The word today is really thank good. You. Um, so I'm on, uh, Judges now, and, uh, I, I'm reading about how, uh, the generation, uh, after, uh, Joshua, that they kept falling, mm-hmm. right? At, you know, the Lord will bring up judges to to bring them back to to His glory and 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 whatnot. But I I can't get it out of my mind of like why they kept
0: falling. They kept falling because they weren't born again. Here's the thing: the old Mosaic covenant, and we're no longer under it. You know that, like in today Yom Kippur, in the in it today. Oh well, that's great to remember it, but I got to tell you, as a Christian, Yom Kippur, the, the Day of Atonement, only pointed to the big atonement, which was Christ. And so I think it's neat, you know, it's, it's informative to know the Mosaic festivals and laws and, and all of that. But um, I, I don't put much of my attention into it when they happen. You've got people on TV. Oh, you know, it's a it's, uh, day of atonement or it's the year of Jubilee. So if you send in $100 because it's the year of Jubilee, you're going to get 10 times more than you normally would have, but because it's the year of Jubilee, they're, they're scamming you. Pastor, yeah, that's strong. Oh, it's true. Well, do you think God is up there going. Oh, well, it's the year of Jubilee, which was Mosaic law and under the Old Testament. And we're no longer under the Old Testament. We're under the New Covenant. But since it was back there and they're giving based on what I did way back then, that I'm going to quadruple their gift. Do you really believe that? Please tell me you don't. I guess I might get somebody mad at me tonight before the night's out. But... It's, 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 okay, scam's a strong word. It's a scam. (laughs) Uh, Now, does God bless your giving? You better know it. But, but when people use devices like that, it's manipulative. I'm sorry. If you can show me otherwise in the word of God, I'll repent to you. I will. But you're not going to find it. It's not there. Okay. All right. The older I get, the more gnarly I get with some of these things. I, you get to the place where you just, you know, I've pastored so long, I don't, I'm just going to say it. Right? Okay. Well, Did I get the question or did I chase a rabbit? Oh, uh, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> I did chase a rabbit. Here's the deal. Um, the reason they kept falling is they didn't have a new nature. They didn't have Christ to strengthen them. The Old Testament, particularly the law. When Moses came down with the law, it was etched in stone by the finger of God. His face was glowing in the dark. They had to put a veil over his face because even the law that amplified our sin came with glory because it came from God. But the law... Galatians says was our schoolmaster to whip us into Christ, to discipline us into Christ where we're saved by grace through faith, because the law said, you jump through the hoops. You obey all the commandments. You try to earn your own righteousness and nobody could do it. So Paul says, it just put me in a state of desperation because, wretched man that I am, who's going to deliver me? I can't jump through all these hoops. You, you do eight commandments right, you break two. You do seven right, you break three. You do nine right, you break one. And James came along and said, if you break one, you've broken them all. So so what do we do? I'm guilty before God. Paul said that's exactly what the law was given for. Now the law is good, not evil. Laws that you make according to the ten commandments, you shouldn't own righteousness by obeying the law? No. So, so what the book of Judges reveals is they kept spiraling down because they did not have the Holy Ghost in them. They did not have the new nature. They did not have the strength of Christ where, where Paul said in Romans 8, if I by the Spirit do put to death the wrong deeds of my body, I will live. So how do we get victory over the flesh? By the power of the spirit living in us. But they didn't have that. So they just kept on, keeping on. They had pathological idolatry. Cuz they didn't have the born again nature. That help? Okay, one more. Is there one more? One more. Ah.
1: Hi, how are you? Okay. Okay, so my son has taken this humanities course at school.
0: He's taken what?
1: A humanities course. Oh, humanities, okay. And one of the questions that he came to me was, when Jesus said, when the apostles were astonished at the signs and miracles, Jesus promised that and said that we would do greater things and greater miracles. Mm-hmm. Why don't we see that today?
0: Okay, everybody heard that, right? And that's a great last question. Um, Jesus said, greater things than these shall you do, because I go to my Father. Now let me ask you a question. Can we do anything greater than raising the dead? What? Okay, but I mean, miracle, okay, lead people to Christ, greater things, right. But, can we, can we equal or excel calling somebody like Lazarus out of a grave? So is it possible that Jesus was not saying greater things as in a greater miracle? Because there's, there's nothing, you know, as Joe said, leading somebody to Christ where they're born again, that's greater. But as far as miracles like Blind eyes opening, deaf ears opening, somebody being raised from the dead, demons coming out of somebody. How can you, how can you best that? So I believe he was talking about breadth of outreach. You got to remember, Jesus was limited to a very tiny part of the world, his entire ministry. So could it be he was talking about numeric or quantitatively? And not qualitatively. Uh, Because how can you best raising somebody from the dead when they've been dead four days? You can't. But Jesus said, you're going to go to the ends of the earth with my gospel. You're going to reach millions of people tonight on the radio. I talk to more people than Christ did in his lifetime. So is it possible he was talking about quantitative, and not qualitative. I believe he was. Uh, and Joe has a good point. Uh, leading somebody to Christ is the greatest miracle of all. But that's the only way. That's the only way. So, so people that go, go on and on and say, uh, you know, he's called us to do greater things. I want to say to them, okay, well then, what's in your mind? What's greater? Well, I don't know. He just said greater things. Well, what? You can't do anything greater. Lazarus, come out. He's wrapped in grave clothes. As his own sister said, he stinketh. (laughs) Decay has set in. Rigor mortis has set in. And he came out of the grave. You can best that? No. He had to be talking about quantitative. All right, let's stand together. And I intend, and we intend as a church family together, to do as much quantitative outreach as we possibly can. We want to reach as much of the known world as we can with the gospel of Christ everywhere. Amen? And uh, we're doing it. We're doing our little part. So let's lift our hands to the Lord. Father, thank you for the word of God. Thank you for your blessing, Lord. Thank you that we can trust this book, this library we hold in our hands of the words of God. The words of God. The word of God. Right down to every punctuation mark. I just thank you for it, Lord. I praise you for it. Thank you, Lord. Let's sing one stanza and then we'll go home tonight. Thank you, Lord. All my life
1: you have been faithful. And all my life you have been so, so good. With every.
0: Goodness of God. Now, Lord, we go with your peace in our heart. And Lord, thank you for redemption through the blood of your Son. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless all of you. Thank you for coming. We'll see you in a few weeks. Thank you very much.